All right, News Talk 1110 wbt Pete Callender Show. Joining me now is the former mayor, former governor of North Carolina, former mayor of Charlotte, I should say, and a U.S. Senate candidate here now this year, and a former talk show host here at WBT. Pat McCrory, how are you? Good. I almost came into the studio today because I'm in Charlotte, and I got caught up at the Laurel Market getting a sandwich. So I said, what's quicker? Can I get there in time? But I figured last time I went there, you know, you, you had to about kick me out of the studio. So yeah. plus management was complaining again about me. So Right. But you did get a chair. I did get your chair. And, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting in the chair right now as we speak. I need some oil on the wheels. Can you get me some of that? Can you oh, well, you'll have to... get your management team to help fix the chair now? Well, that's not on premises anymore. And if you had let me take the chair to my house, as was my intent, I probably would have fixed it. But um, no, maybe you'll have to boost some oil off the side of a road and then bring it into the studio. And then maybe we can get it oiled up for you. Actually, we just took a picture for our Christmas card and I got the chair <laughs> in the Christmas card. Why does that not surprise me? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, first off, uh, do you have any reaction to? Did you hear about the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, verdict? Do you have any reaction I just to that? Did. I, I agree completely with the verdict, but I I also think politicians ought to stay out of the judicial uh, branch of government and not respond. I learned this as mayor and as a city councilman. It's just it's not right for politicians to interfere with uh, court trials before, during, or after. Um, especially with regard to how local government and local police have to respond to it. And the other point I'll make, I think the signal that this sense is is troubling, not that he's innocent, because he is innocent. The dilemma I'm having is when you have police that aren't enforcing the law during riots and putting people in jail who are actually doing the rioting and the burning and the destruction of <coughs> private property, then you have others start doing the job that the police should have been doing all along. And the police aren't doing the job because they're scared to now because of political officials who want to defund the police or put the police under a spot spotlight where they're allowed to take no risk whatsoever. And we're not only seeing this where this uh, shooting occurred, but we're seeing it in Charlotte. We're seeing it in Greensboro. We're seeing it in Raleigh. Uh, where the police are afraid to respond and take aggressive action when they need to do it, when people are being hurt or when the, the police are being attacked or when buildings are being set on fire. And to me, that's the bigger issue of this trial that, that no one is talking about. Yeah. Now, I will, uh, now, in my defense, I talked about the social contract, not just with CMS and the parents, and, and you know they're uh, yelling at the school officials earlier in the week, uh, but also in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case as well, like the, the 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 contract is that the government does stuff for us, uh, and we give up liberty to the government to allow for it to do so. But if the government is not going to do those things that it promised it would do, then then those rights devolve back to me, the individual. And I think that's what was at the heart of the Rittenhouse trial too: is if the government is unwilling to protect people and their and their property then people will take it upon themselves to do so because the contract is no longer uh in effect i agree with that assessment and history proves that that happens over and over again not just in the united states but in world history and uh you know I, i've looked back at the riots here in charlotte where i had i've had to call the national guard when i was governor 
And uh, the police were wanting to do their job, but they were they were concerned about what the response was yeah. of the at that time very liberal mayor and very liberal city council. And that was even before some of the most recent controversy. But uh, that's when I decided to call the National Guard to come into Charlotte. And most people don't realize, and right now they may need to call the National Guard with these two highly publicized trials. The National Guard is there to protect the buildings so the police can leave that responsibility and go arrest the people that are causing destruction and put them in jail and take them off the street. Because usually the people causing destruction is about... 10% 10% of them, and their goal is to cause destruction and then run in, run out, and get other people to follow them. It's, a, it's, um, it's the art of war. Mm. It's the art of war. Read the book. That's what Antifa does, is the art of war. They hit and they run, and they try to get the emotions of others to follow them. Yeah. And then they have the powerful police who are sitting there going, we can't do a thing. We've got to just take this abuse. We had it here in Charlotte. In fact, we have a current sitting councilman, city councilman, who was arrested mm-hmm. for not obeying the police, and he was, I think, since reelected. So, and it's one of the sad uh, things. And I remember, you know, when you were mayor, um, watching all of the efforts, all of the work, the time and treasure that was uh, devoted to building Charlotte, and the, specifically the the urban core. The downtown, sorry, uptown area, right? And to getting it uh, right. to, to getting it to where it is now. And honestly, like when my wife and I came back to Charlotte, we thought about living in in around Center City somewhere, renting uh, an apartment someplace. And we said after last year, we said no, we're not going to live in an, in the city. Why would we? We'd be crazy. So what? <laughs> so I can have somebody lighting a car on fire in front of my apartment building, and then I got to try to flee the building out into the street. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself in the situation. And yet, when I was when I was mayor, and by the way, when I was elected mayor, we were averaging over 125 murders a year. We took it down to less than 40. I don't have the exact names, but we did that because we targeted the top criminals in Charlotte and arrested them and put them through prosecution. Now we're doing neither. We're neither arresting them or putting them through prosecution. And what we often did during the riots or during the protest, when I was both mayor and city council. Um, you know, if they jaywalked, if the protesters jaywalked, we put them in jail. If they got off the sidewalk, we didn't let them get in the street. So was... the minute you bend, they will then move the goal line and make you bend more. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, the police are retreating and worried for their own safety. And that's what's happened not just in Charlotte, but that's happened in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland. And believe me, these art of war tactics by Antifa um, are very, very uh, aggressive assertive they take advantage of the media and they take advantage of the political correctness that's um, taken over our society especially with regards to public safety well luckily uh, all that was destroyed can be rebuilt now with the uh, the build back better right we got all the money now to <laughs> we're gonna uh, yeah. well we've got so first off uh, the infrastructure bill if you were in the Senate would you have voted for that no I would not have even though as you know, Based on my experience as governor and mayor, I'm a very strong infrastructure guy. I always used to say I was an Eisenhower infrastructure Republican. Mm-hmm. But the problem is so much of the infrastructure that the federal government's taking over is, first of all, the responsibility of state and local government. And second, a lot of it's the responsibility of the private sector. And it's almost as though we have a takeover from the federal government of infrastructure in which really two-thirds of the infrastructure is, is the responsibility of state, local, 
or the private sector, not the federal government. And it's the federal government that's broke. The other reason I would have voted against it is because um, the inflation at this point in time. We've got too much money out of government coming into the system at this point in time. We had all this free money for the last year and a half with COVID, which caused labor issues, caused inflation. And then the third thing is we got an energy situation where because we don't have access to energy like we used to, the energy prices are going up, and that has an impact on everything because everything that we touched is oil-based. Mm-hmm. So um, I think this just compounds. And I pray that uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia holds on and is not the swing vote um, for this bill, for the even more serious bill, which it, it, is just it, it is. Uh, what they call social infrastructure, which right. is the most Orwellian phrase. Uh, <laughs> that we've come upon to for a long time since we changed the name of illegal immigrant. Yeah. So I, it is um, it is kind of interesting how uh, the the Biden administration has been warned. And for, Larry Summers told them, hey, if you do this, uh, uh, the, the infrastructure spending, you, you keep spending, it's going to be inflationary. And now all of a sudden, Summers has turned around and said, well, you know what, you could do this. And uh, they're going to reintroduce they're going to reintroduce the uh, I guess the salt. Uh, so the wealthy folks in California and the uh, and New York that they're going to get their big tax breaks uh, as well uh, because these are you know by and large left wing donors and such so they they have found tax cuts that they do like I will I, I mean we we should recognize well, that that was all going back to the Trump administration <laughs> right uh, were so called penalizing these high tax states and the wealthy uh, were allowed to write off the high tax property taxes. And income taxes of other New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, California, and now they're basically changing the Trump rules. And Trump was right and with that regard, uh, but now they're reversing that, and so the write-offs are going to be a major cost. Here we're increasing spending, and yet we're giving more tax breaks to even the wealthy mm-hmm. in states like California, and New York. Of course, that's where the Democratic power is, so they're going to get it. I mean, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi. Right there in San Francisco. She was president for a few uh, uh, moments today. You know that, right? The Kamala Harris when the President I just Biden. Read that. I, thank yeah. God I didn't know it during the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but well, you know, listen, the Biden Harris administration is just—it's incompetent. Um, and and what they're doing. My biggest concern is what they're doing to the next generation. I'm worried for the next generation. The people in their teens right now, or even in their twenties, who. Uh, I'm worried, will they ever be able to buy a house? Mm-hmm. You know, right now my house has gone up in value 25%, and I feel good about myself. But what about the 20, 20-year-olds 20 now? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the 1980s when the interest rates were 14%, 15 and 16%. Right. And it just shut out people out of private home ownership. And, uh, and now the energy prices, I filled up my tank yesterday. It was $49, and, you know, six months ago it was 32 Yeah. Yeah, mind. I've got a Mitsubishi Outlander, and it took fifty dollars to fill it up the other day. It's you just, can't hide money. It's, you I know it. Hide money. I, you know those I mean, are expensive cars. I try by taking chairs off of sidewalks and you know, uh, repurposing I, you know, them. That but that sounds like someone who came in from Asheville. <laughs> That's the kind of Asheville car. <laughs> David from Asheville had a car just like that. I don't think so. That's probably it's, it's probably too uh, expensive a vehicle for Dave. Uh, Pat McCrory. I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Anyway, it's uh, this inflation is the most serious issue this nation will be facing since the uh, 70s. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll have you back on. We'll talk about it, and uh, we'll compare our uh, miles per gallon.
So you uh, got it. All right. You got it. All right. Former uh, governor, former mayor, Pat McCrory, U.S. Senate candidate for North Carolina, also former radio host.